Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Scott Moody. He's the co-founder, CEO, and chief client advocate at K4 Connect. Scott, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Kevin, and thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, what you're doing at K4 Connect is is actually really cool and innovative, and you've had kind of a really cool career kind of before K4 Connect as well. So I kind of want to cover both, but maybe before we kind of get into either one of those, let's maybe get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Well, I actually uh, grew up in New Jersey. We, When I was younger, uh, we moved around a little bit, so I was in Connecticut some, Virginia some, even uh, L.A., California. But uh, I'm a New Jersey boy at heart. Got you. Okay. And so you, you, you went to university. What kind of kind of – what did you take in university? You, went a, you, you took a couple programs at a couple different universities, correct? No, actually, well, I started um, – so I went to school in North Carolina, at North Carolina State in Raleigh, oh. North Carolina. So, you know, okay. finished high school in New Jersey, went to uh, NC State. I was actually uh, in economics my uh, first year, but okay. uh, realized that uh, if I really wanted to get a good job in economics or business, I'd probably have to get a master's. To be honest, Kevin, I didn't really like school that much sure. uh, and uh, didn't want to have to stay there any longer than uh, possible. Plus, I was I was paying for it. So I actually switched into engineering, which okay. is actually relatively unique. Um, it's kind of the reverse of what a lot of people do, at least I was told in, uh, when I did it. Um, but, you know, that proved out to be uh, very good. The second piece of that, I think you mentioned, um, I eventually, many years later, when I was working for uh, another company, I um, I got a, what's referred to as an executive MBA okay. from the University of Florida. And that was about a four-month, full-time, uh, pretty intensive program that resulted in an executive MBA. But nice. my, my real degree is um, engineering from NC State. No, I, I, but I, I think like part of me why I wanted to bring that up is I think a lot of people don't really want to maybe t or struggle with maybe taking courses or going back to school, even if it's just for a short period of time or part time, kind of like once they're in their career, right? But at least I think that it, it can be super important and kind of useful, right? And it sounds like obviously you found some value in it if you did it. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was positive. Um, you know, to, just to be honest, uh, you know, I really wasn't that great of a student while at NC State. Not okay. to be confused that uh, I didn't have an unbelievably great time, but sure. uh, you know, I wasn't one of your stellar students. And the company I was with, a company called Harris Corporation in Florida. You know, those grades were actually relatively important to them in their career advancement. And they had this uh, MBA program or this uh, relationship they had with uh, UF. And so, you know, part of it, I'm just going to be honest, was that I could prove that if if I, you know, paid attention um, and drank a lot less, then uh, <laughs> I, could, uh, I could get uh, good grades. And 
you know, frankly, I think it helped me in my career there because it, sure. you know, kind of took away that uh, aura of a, of a uh, let's say, not so stellar grades as an undergraduate. Sure. But but I think that's kind of it's in itself good advice, right? Like I think there's a lot of people out there that you know maybe in their younger years didn't do it or dropped out or or whatnot, and like they basically just did something to prove people wrong, right? I I, I love that, and I and I love the honesty about kind of why you did that, right? Like I I think that's great. Well, um, I think you know it's not necessarily just about proving it's it's about career advancement. So I do see. Right, a, a number of young people. They may have gotten an undergraduate in something, but are going now going back, uh, you know, in coding school or IT. Sure. And even yeah. if you don't necessarily want to be a developer, right, that in today's electronics world and with technology, you know, such a significant piece of every part of our lives, whether sure. we're young or old, it's important to understand that. And so, for example. When I when I looked at even my undergraduate, I mean, one of the reasons I, I went into engineering is, you know, I, I didn't really want to be an engineer, if you will. I wanted to be a business person. I, sure. I'll be honest. I was in college. I didn't know what that meant. But, you know, I was going to be a <laughs> business guy. And uh, I figured, you know, I saw the world's a lot different now. I graduated yeah. in 1980. But even in the late 70s, you could see semiconductors and electronics and technology being a bigger piece. And I figured, look, if I want to be the manager of that, I, I really need to understand that, right? And so totally. I admire the folks that go back, and even if they don't want to necessarily be a programmer or developer themselves, they really understand so they can understand the, the language totally. of their people they're working with. And that's, like, really important. No, I, I, you couldn't, like, I 100% agree with you. I, I, I think, like, in, in my opinion, and I don't mean to get, like, kind of political, but I think, like, they should be teaching kind of just basic programming even in, in schools, right? Because you don't have to be a programmer, but you're going to be eventually working in an industry with software or some something, right? Like, it's just a, an understanding just basic kind of logic. So I, I think I, I totally agree, and I, and I love how you kind of thought about that and, and kind of decided to take something in school related to that. I, I think that's great. But but kind of walk... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I just said it, it worked out. So luckily, sure. between visiting bars, I did have some other thoughts, right? So. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think everybody uh, should enjoy their, their younger years. So I, <laughs> I don't fault you for that for, at all. But, but I'm kind of curious then, walk me through kind of your professional career before you kind of came back and decided to do K4 Connect because you have quite an impressive career. You got a, you had a company acquired by Apple. So kind of walk us through kind of that whole career. Well, I, I really would put it more as, you know, I've had a very fortunate career sure. um, and blessed in the opportunities to work with the people that I've had that opportunity. But the... Um, so right out of college, remember, I graduated in 1980. Sure. There were, I don't even know if the word entrepreneur had been invented yet, right, Fair. other than in France. And, um, you know, so startups weren't something that people talked about. Yes, they happened. There were a lot in, uh, you know, the depths of semiconductor and then eventually yeah. electronics out of Silicon Valley. But um, so like everybody else, I went to work for a bigger company. It was a company called... Harris Corporation, actually uh, Harris Semiconductor, and it was a great career opportunity. So 
one of the things I often tell people is if you really want to be an entrepreneur, go to work, right? And, and yep. so get a job, right? Get a job sometimes even for a bigger company so that you can learn, right, uh, not only your job function, but you can really learn and understand markets and customers and so on and so forth. And so by the time uh, I helped co-found our first company, uh, Authentic, I had 18 years of experience at Harris Semiconductor. And during that time frame, I had a lot of different jobs. You know, first in operations, then in program management, uh, product marketing, product line management, uh, and then eventually uh, heading up a division. So by the time, you know, we co-founded uh, Authentic, I really had a lot of experience. I had experience in manufacturing, I had experience in, in marketing. I really understood what a financial statement uh, looked like. And sure. I actually, since we sold our products into the PC and the cell phone markets, I really understood those markets, right? I understood sure. the suppliers in the market and I understood the kind of customers that we would be selling to, whether it's sure. an HP, an IBM, an Apple, et cetera, et cetera. So I really give credit to uh, Harris Semiconductor and the number of people I worked with there for kind of grooming me to uh, to be a startup. Of course, uh, we started Authentic in 1998. Okay, it was a, myself and a gentleman named Dale Setlack. Dale generally referred to as the smart guy, and um, he was the CTO and and really foundationally. A lot of the technology was around ideas uh, uh, thought of and then eventually developed um, and brought to the forefront uh, by Dale and a really a great team of engineers around him. So we started that company. We raised 1998. We ra eventually raised uh, $70 million in venture capital wow, and included awesome. groups like Sierra Ventures, uh, the Carlisle Group. Uh, Texas Instruments, um, some smaller groups like uh, Stonehenge, um, Growth Equity, and various companies like that. We then took the company public in 2007, uh, and as you had mentioned, in 2012, uh, we were acquired by uh, Apple. I, I think, to this day, we remain the only public company ever acquired by Apple. And then our technologies turned into what you know as the Touch ID today. Yeah, and I think even Android users have heard of Apple's kind of Touch ID, right? Like, so like I think everybody knows kind of the technology that you guys created, and and that's that's really cool in itself, and and kind of probably like a wild ride. But I'm curious to know. I'm I'm assuming then that you had a lot of connections in the industry that really helped you when you created, you know, Authentic to actually start getting your first kind of clients or, or kind of walk us through kind of that, um, you know, if that kind of helped or didn't help or probably didn't hinder, but. Well, I don't know that we had so many direct clients, right? Um, in other words, okay. a person that could, I could call and say, do you want to specifically buy this, right? Yes, okay. there were those. And certainly having connections into the industry I could make a phone call who could lead me to the right person. Gotcha. But I think okay. probably more importantly is uh, we had a good understanding on two ends. We really 
if you think of Dale and the and the team we had uh, behind Dale, you know these were really seasoned semiconductor designers and operators. They knew right how to really uh, design a product, uh, design it to be you know properly tested, to get it out right. quickly, to some have some assurance of you know first time success. And that really comes with a lot of experience. And so we really um, brought in some exceedingly uh, bright uh, people. So they really understood, you know, how to design and get a product manufactured. Gotcha. On the other side of that, you know, myself and others, we would have, you know, a good understanding of how to bring that to market because we were used to selling into the PC, the automotive, and, you know, the cell phone markets. And, and just mind you, the cell phone market was a lot different when we started the company. Totally. But the fact of the matter is, is that, um, so there, were, there was a lot of experience, you know, within the industry. And there were times that was unbelievably helpful. For example, you know, when we did have some technology uh, issues right in the beginning, which many companies have, sure. we understood how to manage that risk and to lower the risk so that when we did see a problem, we didn't really have to start from the very beginning. And that was incredibly important. And on the second element is, um, you know, as I said, kind of that whole go-to-market strategy and philosophy and really, if we were going to sell this, what is, you know, clearly a new product into the industry, then we really had to understand, you know, what are the things they valued when deciding to put something into, you know, a PC or a cell phone. And I think sure. one of the things um, people do have a bit of a challenge with when they're doing a startup is, you know, when I look at other startups or somebody asks me for help, I can't tell you how many times you know, people will tell me, well, there is no competition, right? We're the only ones that do this. Right. Well, the fact of the matter is there's always competition. Yeah. And so if you're selling something into a PC, and let's say you're the only person that does, I'll just use the fingerprint sensor as an example. Sure. We weren't the only ones, but let's just assume we were the only ones that were selling a fingerprint sensor into that industry. Um, yes, it, it's unique, but we have to show a value proposition for that OEM to spend money on their bill of material for a fingerprint sensor versus a better processor, a bigger screen, a sure. new application, a new whiz-bang capability. Our competition is everything that's trying to fight to get into that bill of material. And remember, you know, whether it's HP or... Uh, now Lenovo or Apple or Samsung, right? There are a lot of people, right, mm -hmm. trying to get into that bill of material. And they obviously want to provide the best product available, but they're also trying to keep their costs down. So you always have competition, even if you don't think you do. No, I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. So I'm kind of curious then – if I remember correctly, you basically kind of retired after you kind of got acquired by Apple, correct? 
if you want to call it that. I dropped off the face of the earth, yes, and some people call that retardant. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but I, sure. look, I, I was really, really burnt out. Okay. Um, I swore, you know, I would never do another startup. It's just so much work. Yep. And, uh, you know, frankly, really told anybody that, listen, I wouldn't work again. I was just going to um, retire, which is actually what I did. We lived in uh, in Melbourne, Florida. It was a great place. Okay. But uh, uh, we decided to move back here to Raleigh. I went to uh, state, NC State, as I mentioned, met my wife in college. We actually got married the weekend after I graduated moved to Florida three days later, but her family's from North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I was excited about getting back. She was very excited about, uh, getting back. And so we, we retired up here. Uh, and I was really, really active in the entrepreneurial community, working with a number of the incubators and co-working places, obviously the three universities that we have here in the area, plus actually several universities, but generally, um, you know, those include NC state, Duke and uh, UNC. So I was really, really active in the area and very much, if you will, enjoying my retirement. <laughs> so what made you kind of decide to get back into into the game and come up with and co-found K4 Connect? So uh, I was actually on a trip to Rwanda and I was with uh, a group that I, I served on a local board of uh, called Hope International, and they're a microfinance organization. Okay. And uh, they had this trip to Rwanda. Now, I had been to Rwanda before on mission trips, but gotcha. uh, again, this time I was with this microfinance organization, and uh, we were touring the country and you know talking to various uh, entrepreneurs. And I met this one. Her name was Jennifer. Uh, she had actually gone over right after the genocide okay. to open an orphanage. Ended up ended up opening like 15 orphanages, wow. and then started cooking cakes for the kids. Uh, and next thing you know, she you know for birthdays and things. And the next thing you know, she opens a uh, a small business cooking cakes for the people around Kigali. Ends up buying this coffee shop, which is where I met her. Turned okay, it into amazing. a coffee shop slash bakery, only employed battered women with okay. the idea of helping train them to become bakers themselves. And then they could go back to their villages and open up their own bakeries. And this is where Hope got involved in that they were the microfinance part of helping these women become independent entrepreneurs. Very cool. But you meet, it, it was cool. And, and frankly, when you meet somebody like that, you know, I, I'll tell you, uh, Kevin, I, I was just embarrassed. You know, here I thought okay. I was doing good things and I was helping people and so on and so forth. And then you meet somebody, you know, like her and you're just like, like, I stink. Like, like I can do more. Sure. And uh, frankly, she was walking me around, you know, outside. And she had this little dirt area. And she was talking about expanding the coffee shop. And at one point, you know, frankly, uh, she just said, um, you know, I could use the proceeds from that, i.e. the business from the coffee shop, to I can use the proceeds from that to further God's will in other ways. And it was just like, 
wow, this is amazing. And so I went back, I spoke to my wife. It's like, look, I'm not burnt out anymore. I still have a lot of energy left. I'm not dead yet. Uh, so sure. the, really the idea of starting another company was just simply around, look, if, if we are lucky again and, and we start a company that has some level of success, then uh, we can use the proceeds from that. And I don't, would never say, you know, further God's will, just because I don't know what that is, but we could use it right for good. Okay. And so that was really the whole idea is, that's great. And, you know, that's, that's typically what we all do. We look at one side is here's our business. The other side, like here's our philanthropy, right? One funds the other. And that's mm-hmm. how we really kind of started, started the company or decided to go back and start a company. Okay. No, that that's amazing. So what exactly is K4 Connect? And I, and I remember when we talked earlier, you basically built a version and then you had a pivotal kind of coffee meeting that kind of changed some things. So can you kind of tell me and the listener that kind of whole story? Sure. So the soon thereafter, and it's a, it's a longer story, but I had the opportunity to start a company with a guy named Jonathan Gould, okay. who, like Dale Setlack, is the smart end of this duo. And he really had, I thought, some really clever ideas around architectures in the in the space of IoT and home automation. Okay. How did you meet so him, just in- out of curiosity? So he had actually been with a, a prior company um, that had reached out to me for help. Unfortunately, that company didn't make it. And okay. it, uh, But I always admired Jonathan. And he, uh, we eventually got together, you know, on a whole different idea. But I just admired that, you know, admired him so much. I mean, I really saw that he was not only an exceedingly smart guy, but a good guy, right? And one of the things I always tell people, right, is you're just about to spend more time with your co-founder than you will with your spouse over the next five or 10 years. And you really need to get to know that person. And Jonathan reminded me a lot of Dale. Yes, they were both incredibly smart. But the reason I started, because there's a lot of smart people in the world, the reason I ended up starting companies with either one of them was because they were really, really good people, right? And Dale and I remain friends today, and of course, Jonathan and I are still working together. So that said, uh, we really started the company around this whole idea of IoT, the Internet of Things, and this idea that many people have talked about of integrating multiple things into a common platform. So I frankly didn't really think anybody had done it well. There was a lot of hype around it. People talked about it many times aspirational versus what it actually did today. But I didn't really think any of the technologies out there really had been developed in such a case to make the story real. Okay. And so we started down developing a technology, a software platform technology that can integrate really anything or any application or any system into a common platform. And I'm not going to go into the technology and we've filed a bunch of patents, uh, but it really does make the entire experience for the end user very, very easy. And so um, we started down that path really with just developing the technology. The idea was if we can really develop this technology to be open, modular, and scalable, then 
we can play into any end market we want to really. It could be the home. It sure. could be small, medium business. It could be enterprise. It could be hotels. It could be any number of end applications. Now, a lot of people thought like developing a technology without a market right picked it w- was crazy. But since right. it was Catherine and, and my money, Catherine, my wife, sure. right? Like we could do crazy if we wanted to. Sure. And so uh, we really spent that time developing the technology. As I started to really look at the market, like where do we want to apply this first? It just so happened I had a coffee with a gentleman named Eric. Okay. And um, Eric was uh, advocating for homeless. And he had called me for a coffee, and I, you know, I agreed to take the coffee. And he, he went through his advocacy. And then at the end of that conversation, he asked us what K4 connected. And I told him, and I gave him examples of how the system would work in a home, because that would resonate with people, right? Although we hadn't sure. picked that. So generally what I had said is, you know, you're, you're driving, you're five miles from the house, you, you know, the... Um, the, the lights outside lights come on automatically. The thermostat changes, you know, for whatever temperature you want. When you get home, you pull in the garage, the door unlocks, the uh, security system disarms, the lights turn on, the TV turns on. And since there's an automated version of anything nowadays, your first beer is ready for you when you uh, <laughs> sure. come in the door. And he was like, that'd be a great product for me. And then he told me an MS okay. and was like, wow. And so we talked about that for a while. I went back. I spoke to Jonathan about it. A week later, we had another coffee with Eric. And just as I started the the coffee, Eric stopped me and he said, look, let me just tell you guys why I'm here today. He says, right now I'm using a cane, but I'm not really sure how much longer that'll last. So when I wake up in the morning, the way I look at my day is I figure I have the energy for a thousand good steps in my day and how I use those steps defines the quality of my life. And you guys can make my life better. And so for me and Jonathan, it was simply a wow moment. Now on a, you know, personal level, Kevin, let me just tell you that if I felt called to start a company in Rwanda, which may sound strange to some of the listeners, but I did, Oh, I think it's great. And I knew why at that second when I met him. Sure. And he told me that story. And so he left, and Jonathan and I spoke, and we decided to pivot the entire company. Now, I can't say we really pivoted because we hadn't picked an end market. <laughs> sure. But I am embarrassed <laughs> to say that before then, or at least that coffee I had with him a week earlier, I had never really thought about serving older adults or those living with disabilities. And so, you know, we pivoted the company toward that. I really didn't know anything about the market. Um, I didn't know how big it was. I didn't know how clearly underserved it has been. But that's what we really decided to go off and do. And we focused the entire company that way. No, I I love that. I I think that's great. And that's kind of a really cool, inspiring story. But let's get into the platform a little bit. And how exactly does it kind of work kind of for somebody that's actually using it? And then for kind of like, let's go maybe the resident and kind of the operator of of the software. How does it kind of work? 
Yeah, so um, so a couple of things, right? So we were started focusing on that market. And the one thing I didn't mention, right, was the, the great thing about it was we moved from, you know, again, what I mentioned earlier was on one end is your business or your, you know, career, if you will, the market. And the other side is your, you know, philanthropy. What we saw with meeting with Eric was that the very technologies we were developing could make such a significant difference in his life. And by the way, the 1.5 billion people in the world today that are either under the age of 65 and living with some form of a disability, right, or over the age of 65. Right. And so that was a significant focus. The next step in the journey was when I met this gentleman uh, that named Steve that uh, had built up a number of senior living communities and sold it to one of the largest operators in the market and had more recently raised more money to build up uh, new senior living communities. And what I realized then that there were, you know, entire, like literally communities of the people that we serve all living on under one roof. Gotcha. And that gave rise. You can, for one thing you can see here, I don't have any ideas myself. I just clearly meet a lot of people. And uh, so it gave this thought of our first product being K4 Community. Gotcha. And what K4 Community does is its complete focus is on it's sold into senior living communities at the generally the operator level. So it's an enterprise sale, if you will. But okay. it's a consumer distribution. Our system is deployed in the rooms, the apartments, the cottages of all of the residents of that community. And our focus is on making the lives of those residents who we refer to as our clients better. We are okay. a mission-centered company focused on the end user, those 1.5 billion people we talked about. And it's all around making their lives simpler, healthier, and happier. And what we do is we integrate, and I'll come into detail of what each of those mean, integrate all of that into a common platform that's accessible by the resident versus an exceedingly easy to use and designed for them application, and then the dashboards and operational data available to the staff and the operator of the community. So what is, what is included in that platform and that application? Really what we call it is a connected life platform, every aspect of your life. Okay. So the simpler elements are home automation, what you think of home automation. So it can be everything from lights and thermostats and, and uh, bed sensors and motion sensors, as well as automated blinds, um, TV remote controls, anything that you can think about automating in that room. Now, it's not a matter of just controlling the room through the app. It's a matter of that room being responsive to your needs. So the temperature is automatically changing at night to a little bit cooler because you sleep better in a cooler room. Yet when you do get up at 2 a.m. in the morning, the lights are coming on automatically. So all of those things happen responsively without me even, you know, using, if you will, 
the app. The healthier elements are just this whole idea of integrating all of these health products into the platform. So, for example, we just announced a partnership with Garmin uh, last week. So it could be activity trackers. It could be blood pressure monitors. It could be scales, et cetera, et cetera, all providing information back to the resident so they can leave a healthier, lead a healthier life. We also do things like pill reminders to remind somebody that it's time to take a pill, whether sounding um, uh, a small sound or maybe flashing a light, things like that, and then wellness information as well. And then finally, the happier element is really around connection. It's about being connected to, if you will, your former community, so your family and friends outside the community via video chat, audio chat, messaging, uh, picture sharing, and then we also digitize everything in the community. So it could be simple things like a newsletter, but at the same time what we do is all your activities uh, show up. So you can sign up directly through the tablet on uh, for activities. Um, menus are available, and you can even, in some cases, order directly from the tablet for a menu and even have it delivered to your room. So That's we basically awesome. digitize all that. So if you think about it, the simple home automation, the healthier around wellness, and the happier around engagement, right, including your internal community. So, for example, we provide, uh, or we soon will in the next month, resident to resident communications, right? Okay. So it's like a power slack uh, in sure. a senior living community. And so it's um, all that's integrated. It's available to the resident in a, in a common uh, software uh, application. And if you really think about it, we all want to live, right, simple, independent, healthy, happier, engaged lives. And what we simply do is provide technology to help the people we serve live those lives. And that's our job in the end of the day. No, I, I, I love that. And, and kind of um, when I kind of first found out about you guys, I, I thought it was kind of actually really innovative what you guys are doing because so many people out there, like it's kind of the nerds for lack of a better term for it. And I would put myself in that boat where, you know, you buy the cool light bulbs that tell you to do, you know, wake up with the, you know, if it's going to be sunny, turns them on yellow or orange in the morning. And if it's going to be rainy, maybe it's blue or something like that, right? Like you can do all this like kind of stuff that, you know, is almost unneeded, right? It, it's just kind of a nice luxury item, but like you guys are taking this technology and actually making it really useful for people that actually kind of, you know, makes their lives a lot easier and more convenient. And if you only have a thousand steps in a day, you know, if you don't have to go open the blinds or go up, you know, get a TV remote or something, as long as you have your tablet around or kind of the sensors around, like you could basically, you cut out a lot of their, you know, kind of tasks that maybe it's, it's harder for some of those people to do, right? So I, I love the idea. I think it's great. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, that, that, that's hitting the nail on the head is what we often talk about from, you know, no disrespect for, for me or you, but, you know, yeah. many of these things at, at best are a convenient item. Yeah, totally. It's not strictly a novelty. Yep, very but much. But for so. the people we serve, it provides true utility. 
So sure. let me just pick an example of the, you know, like a connected door lock and a, and a connected doorbell, right? Sure. Is, you know, look, we can get off our rear end and answer mm-hmm. the door. Yep. But for somebody in a wheelchair, for somebody at the end of the day that may be, you know, challenged with MS, right, who mm-hmm. are very, very tired, for somebody that may be in bed or just can't get down the stairs fast enough without the worry of, of tripping, that connected door lock and wireless doorbell provide real utility yep. in their lives, right? Sure. So, um, and so what we do in many cases is things that are designed, if you will, for other demographics. We repurpose them for sure. the people we serve because yeah. we know that they can provide true utility at consumer prices. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think of that angle. But yeah, that totally makes sense, right? Because the technology's come down in price so much in the last even like two, three years, right, that it's almost affordable for for anybody at this point. Maybe, right? Look, you can, if you, me and you can go down to Lowe's and buy this yeah. stuff, sure. right? Why can't it be made available for our parents or our grandparents, right? Yeah. Or, you know, my good friend that, that has MS or my brother that might be in a wheelchair or, you know, without it becoming where it starts to look like a hospital room and they want to charge yeah. me thousands of dollars. Yeah. We can do that and we can enable that, that independence, right, that engagement and that, you know, healthier lifestyle by really bringing these things forward together, right, to the people we serve. And, and let me just mention that together part. Yeah. A lot of the everything, I mean, we do, what we do is reintegrate the best in class, whether it's hardware or applications or even systems, is the challenge that I think a lot of people have is they look uh, at, particularly in a startup case, oh, here's a problem, I'll develop a device or an application for it, and then I'll try to go out and sell it. Well, who's going to put all that stuff together? Who's going to make it operate together? Right? Who's going to have a common UI across all of these things? I mean, it gets to the point where you could have 10 lights in your living room and need 10 different apps. You're right. Totally. To turn yeah. them off. Yeah. Well, grandma's not going to do that. Yeah. Right? You know, somebody has a challenge with their fingers is not going to do that. Right? So, what we do is we bring them all together and make them easy, easy, easier to use for the people we serve. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. But then, the actual communities, they have kind of like a overarching kind of dashboard. You, you kind of mentioned that. Is, that. is that something that they can kind of monitor and see kind of what's happening in somebody's room? Or, or how's that piece kind of tie into everything? So really, what we really focus on, first off, is first order value to the resident. How do okay. we make their lives simpler, healthier, and happier? Right. But at the same time, that operator wants to provide the best in healthcare, Right. So if they can see something, somebody that, you know, it looks a little different. Right. So it could be something like, uh, you know, the resident is getting up multiple times in a night to go to the bathroom, which is quite unusual because, you know, they used to just get up once a night or not at all. So, you know, it might foretell something where you can check to see, you know, if there is an issue. 
uh, is there some kind of infection? Are they just eating something different? Are they not sleeping well? Is, you know, something bothering them? So there's all, you know, there's, there is, there's that, <laughs> there's that opportunity at sure. the same time. There's things, uh, even in terms of just overall maintenance. So just as an example, uh, we can tell if there might be an individual air conditioning system that might be having problems. How do we know oh, that? Interesting. Well, let's say their normal temperature during the day is 75, but they like it at, I'll make up a number, 71 at night. Okay. So we change the temperature automatically. They don't have to do anything at, say, 10 a or 9 p.m. Sure. And uh, we noticed two hours later the temperatures moved only a degree. Right, that can ah. foretell there might be something wrong with their AC unit, and so we send a note to maintenance. You know, it's not an emergency, right? Sure. But they can go check on it. What happens now is somebody really only realizes that, right, when the resident or maybe a family member that's visiting them on the weekend says something that my room has been hot for the last week or a couple of weeks. Again, sure. those are all the things that we can provide. And, of course, those things clearly provide benefit back to the client. They provide yep. benefit to the operator as well, no doubt about it, right? But the fact of the matter is, right, we believe that if we do well by the client, by that resident, by our end user, if we truly make their lives simpler, healthier, and happier, then the benefit flows to the entire ecosystem around them. It flows totally. to their family yeah. and friends. It flows to the staff of the community, and it flows to the operator and the management of that community. But it really all starts with the client. So when we go into a community, the clients or the residents and their families see this as an amenity, right? Something that yeah. will, again, allow them to live, you know, a more independent, healthier, and a more engaged life. Sure. No, I, I think that's that's really great. Have you thought about or kind of done the ability where, like, if, say, my one of my parents is in one of the facilities with your software, can I see, do I get, like, kind of a dashboard on, you know, my parent or parents or something, or is that something you guys are working on? Yeah, it's something. So we have a product that will come out next year. We'll do a pilot with a very large insurance company early next year. Okay. Um, that's a product called K4 Life. Okay. And K4 Life, right, is for the people we serve living in their own homes, gotcha. often providing uh, maybe they get care from a caregiving a son or daughter. Gotcha. And so there is a if you will, the dashboard associated with that with the client's okay, right, can be shared sure. with the son or daughter. You know, are we taking our pills on time? Is this sure. happening? Which is great because it's a lot better than my daughter calling me 20 times a day asking if yeah. I took my pills, sure. right? So it, it, it helps me take my pills, right? It also provides her some level of comfort, and then we have a better relationship. Some of that information, right, will then go back into what we, you know, I referred to as K4 community sure. and be made available to the primary caregiver of that resident, of course, with both the communities and the residents okay. We're, gotcha. Look, 
we're uh, privacy is incredibly important to us, right? We do sure. not sell the data, and we okay. do not market or sell to the people we serve. We gotcha. use that data strictly and only for the improvement in their lives. Gotcha. Okay. So then what's kind of the cost of this or how do you charge for this? Is it based per resident or how does that kind of work? So we usually uh, charge for, you know, the initial installation. So the sensors, the thermostat, the light switches and all of that, right? Which is a lot less expensive, uh, you know, than other cases. And that's usually up front. And then there is a, you know, nominal charge per resident per month. Because one of the things we do, right, is we do all of the installation. It's complete turnkey. We do all of the training, both at the staff and the residence level. And then we okay. basically provide 24-7 support even to the resident. So if no, they wow. have a question about how something works, Nice. Right. Or they want us to change the temperature for them or they want it. I mentioned, you know, it turns to 71 at 9 p.m. They want that to now change to 11 p.m. Right. Sure. We we can do that for them instead of them asking a staff member. So we provide this complete turnkey because, frankly, while the operator operating company may have an I.T. staff at headquarters, there is not an I.T. staff at the community level. And gotcha. so we, in essence, kind of manage all of that in a turnkey situation. And even, to, again, to the level, we know who our residents are. We know them by name. So, gotcha. No, that's uh, great. Yeah. So I'm curious then, are, are you kind of across all of America? Are you just in North Carolina right now? Like where can people kind of get this system um, installed? So we're actually, we're all the way from uh, Florida and North Carolina, all the way to California and and, um, uh, even Oregon, right? So what we're doing is, you know, we just raised, we had done all the development for a couple of years, um, you know, figured out this market. We raised a series seed led by a a firm called Tierra Ventures, really uh, good folks out of California, then we proved out the uh, the pilots. They both turned. We did two pilots originally. They both turned into contracts. And then nice. in the fourth quarter of last year, we raised an A round, which was led by Intel Capital. And we have only really been, I'll be honest, we've only really been uh, offering our product to senior living communities starting in the in the first quarter. And yet, honestly, knock on wood we've been doing very well. Nice. So, Congrats, man. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, we've we've expanded a little faster than we thought we would. Um, but that's not such a bad thing. No, that's <laughs> that is never yeah, that's never really necessarily a bad thing. So, I think that's that's great. But Scott, we're coming to the end of the show, so maybe let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and K4 Connect and the community online. Well, first off, they don't really want any more information about me, right? All right. <laughs> uh, so who cares about that? Um, I, you know, b- b- believe me, um, you know, as, as I tell people, um, I I know really, really smart people because I'm not particularly bright myself. So, 
the uh, so let's put that aside. On K4 Community, to be honest, we haven't updated our website in, in a bit just because we were so busy, but that's certainly one place. And then we are working with a number of communities. So the best way is, is if you're looking at a senior living community, right, whether you're the daughter of the future resident or you're the future resident yourself, it's always, you know, good to know does that community have K4 community or are they planning to install it later? So we're sure. working with some operators now that own, you know, really tens, if not hundreds of senior living communities. Well, they don't all roll it out in, in one day, right? Sure. So yeah. it's, it's interesting to know that is the company rolling it out to their senior living communities over time and will that senior living community have it in the future? Got you. And and then people can obviously visit your website at K, the number four, and then connect.com. Yes. So Perfect. K4 Connects, the name of the company, K4 Community is the name of the senior living product. And then K4 Life will be for, you know, those we serve in their own homes. Perfect. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you taking the time in your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. All right. Very much appreciate it. God bless. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.